This podcast contains graphic or mature material. Depictions of murder, violence, and suicide are discussed in detail during this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. We are the Cold Case Crew, and if you are here, you know that we investigate some of the oldest cold cases around in hopes of giving new life and hope of resolution to a decades-old story that has long since been silenced. My name is Whitney. It's Ashley. And I'm Beth. This will be the third case in our Patreon-exclusive series, Blind Reactions. We are so thankful to you, our patrons, who have supported and subscribed to our podcast. This week, Beth will be presenting Ashley and I with a case that she has been researching. So let's get this thing started. All right, girls. You all know that I've been listening to podcasts for years now. I'm always making suggestions for you, and I know I've mentioned this one. This case is about Christian Andriacchio and whether he was murdered or committed suicide. It has stuck with me since I listened to it in 2019, and I continue to follow the case to this day. Wow. I've never heard of it, so I'm excited. I haven't either. This is going to be new to me. So, Christian Shane Andriacchio was born November 4th, 1992 to Todd and Ray Andriacchio in Meridian, Mississippi. Christian was full of life, well-liked by others, and always the life of the party. There's, like, videos of him, like, dancing and crazy hats on and always doing fun stuff. He was always known to be there for his family and friends, no matter what they needed. Growing up on a lake, Christian loved the water, which is most likely the reason that he went to work on a tugboat from Magnolia Marina. His mother, Ray, stated that he was a hard worker and on his way to becoming the youngest tugboat captain in Mississippi history. That's impressive. Yes, it is. On February 26, 2014, 21-year-old Christian Andriacchio was found slumped over his bathtub with a bullet wound to his head. After a 40-minute investigation, 40 minutes, the Meridian police ruled Christian's death a suicide. Christian lived with his girlfriend, Whitley, and his brother, Josh. He and Josh were working on a hitch. A hitch means, like, when they take out on the boat, they go out at 30 days at a time. And so, usually, his brother's on a different boat than him, so usually they would be gone at separate times. He would leave in the middle of one of Josh's, and Josh would be back. But So, anyway, they were both gone at this time, and you were not really allowed to leave the boat for anything less than an emergency. When he left on February 22nd, his relationship with Whitley was rocky at best. Prior to leaving for work, he had broken up with her and assumed she would move out before he got back from the hitch. While Christian was working, his friend Dylan would contact him with updates on Whitley. She had not moved out of the apartment, was driving Christian's vehicle, and already seeing someone new. Apparently driving the vehicle to see someone new. So Christian made a decision that he was going to get a day pass and leave the boat to go home and move Whitley out. Good for him. What does she think she's doing? Just a surprise visit because she wouldn't be expecting it. Good for him. So at 1.37 a.m. on February 26th, Christian calls Dylan, his friend, and tells him to pick him up just outside New Orleans where he would be getting off the boat. Dylan leaves Meridian around 4.45 a.m. This is like a three, three and a half hour, three and 45 minute drive. He arrives to pick Christian up at 8 a.m., They arrived back in Meridian around 11.23 a.m. to deal with Whitley. At this point, only Whitley, Dylan, and any other persons involved know exactly how the rest of the afternoon went. 
At 4.44 p.m., Dylan called 911 and stated in a very calm manner, Ma'am, we've got a suicide. In the background, you can hear Whitley screaming and crying. We'll come back to that 911 call in a bit. The police arrive on scene at the apartment at 5.04 p.m. After a 45-minute investigation by the Meridian Police Department, they quickly ruled Christian's death a suicide, despite substantial evidence that not only points to Christian's death being a homicide, but premeditated murder. So, at that point, a policeman went to the Andriacchio's residence, this is his parents' house, to inform them that Christian has committed suicide. Ray and Todd knew there was no way that their son would have taken his own life. Ray called her brother, Chris, and asked him to go to the apartment and find out what was going on. Chris went to the apartment and spoke with the officers on the scene. They would not tell him anything. So he went to the police department. He had some friends that were police officers, so he thought, you know, I can go down here and maybe possibly get some information. They inform him that Christian is deceased. Chris goes back to the apartment, and surprisingly, the officers let him enter the apartment. So he's contaminating a crime scene. Yes. This seems odd to him. Since it is a crime scene, he goes upstairs to the bathroom, opens the door, sees the blood in the bathtub, and immediately leaves. He just, I guess it kind of struck him. Oh my God, this was my nephew. And I don't need to be here. And I really should not be here. Just walking around, you know. So Chris reports back to his sister, Ray, what he has been told by the police and what he has seen at the apartment. The entire family knows This has to be a mistake. Christian's mother recalls something he once said to her after someone he knew in town committed suicide. Mom, if anybody ever tells you I killed myself, you come looking, because I wouldn't do that. Ray also shared her initial interactions with law enforcement. She was told she needed to go home and accept her son's suicide, which is something she will never do. The Andriacchios have been doing their own investigation ever since and have accumulated a mound of information related to the case. They have also hired a private investigator, Sheila Wysocki. It's insane. I know. It's just like, oh, he killed himself. That's it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about your loss. Yeah. Go accept it. I mean, it's just... I think it's fishy that he said that ahead of time. It's like, if I ever kill myself, you need to go looking. And then the police just to, like, brush them off so quickly. I'm curious, does Whitley or her family have any ties to this police department? Whitley, no. Okay. But somebody else... Close to Whitley? ...involved with Whitley. Okay. Yes. Okay. The thing is that there could be somebody she's protecting. There could be somebody that Dylan's protecting. They could be protecting each other. They could owe somebody money. I mean, there's a lot. I'll take it we're going to get into more of this. Well, we're not going to get into a whole, whole lot because there is so much. I want to make sure that people actually go to Culpable, the podcast, and listen to it. But let's go ahead and move on with this. So Christian was found laying over the side of the bathtub with a gunshot wound to his head. The gun was found next to his left leg, even though he was right-handed. The medical examiner estimated his time of death to be around 3.30 p.m. Now remember, they did not call until 4.44. 
Like an hour and 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes later. But other examiners reported that he was almost in complete rigor, which would mean he may have been shot much earlier. A neighbor had reported hearing a gunshot between 12 and 12.30 p.m. The gun was a Kimber 45. This is a very loud gun. Just remember that. It had no fingerprints on it. So how did he shoot himself and wipe his fingerprints off? And it was decocked with a bullet in the chamber, which is not, that gun does not decock itself. There's no way. So Christian, Dylan, and Whitley were all tested for GSR, and all three of them came back positive. So why is there any question that this is a suicide? Exactly. There was a lack of splatter in the bathroom, as if someone had cleaned it up, but no one ever checked. There was also no blowback of brain matter, bone, or anything else on the gun. All of these things are of great concern to the family and the private investigator, but of no apparent concern to the police officers investigating. Well, I think it's pretty clear at this point that it's a corrupt police department. My opinion, but it seems very corrupt. And the other thing I was thinking about, because I watch a lot of Homicide Hunter, is when you commit suicide, there's, I guess it's the gun residue, but it would be on the victim if they were shot at close caliber. Exactly. That's how that's always explained. So it is able to float away and get on that person, but it was actually on the back of Christian's hand, almost as if somebody rubbed it on him. Fishy. Yes. I mean, it's everything about it is very, very, it's just out there. There's just so much to it that... I just don't see how this could be ruled a suicide just based on what we have right now, though. Right. Okay, so now I'm going to go through the written statements given by Dylan Whitley. We're going to start with Dylan, and this is his word-for-word statement that I have copied from a couple different websites out there. Christian called me at 1.37 a.m. asking if I was able to come pick him up at St. Rose, Louisiana at a docking bay that his barge had stopped. I told him yes, that I could pick him up. He told me that I needed to be there between 7.45 and 8 a.m. I left my home at 3.45 to 4 a.m. on my way to get him. We exchanged a few phone calls just to touch base, and he would ask me where I was or how far from the landing area. After a couple hours or so, I finally reached the destination that he was at. I called him when I arrived, and he said, give me a few moments. He came down the hill where I was parked, removed his blue jumpsuit he wore for his work. He said he had left without permission, and security of the place, along with the sheriff, were alerted, but he decided to leave. I have no conclusion on whether he was able to leave or if just left by self-choice. The ride back to Meridian. After we left the destination, I picked him up. We talked like we always have. Nothing was out of the ordinary. We stopped at a gas station, got us some drinks, and he filled my truck up for coming to get him. As we pulled out and got back on the interstate, he began to tell me that him and Whitley were having relationship issues. The issues were regarding another boy hanging out with Whitley while he was gone, and he then told me this was the reason for him coming home. Then we continued our route to Meridian, just talking and listening to the radio, arriving at his apartment. We pulled into the apartment complex that he was living at. He noticed the BMW he bought for Whitley was there, and he walked in. He began asking her where she had been because they have a tracker on each other's phones. She spent the night at the boy's house that Christian earlier mentioned. His name is Matt Miller. After asking her multiple questions regarding what she had done, she mentioned the usage of Xanax. She was not sure of some of the activities they participated. He blamed Xanax for her not knowing. 
going. I stayed upstairs a majority of the time due to I didn't want to interfere with their argument. I stuck my head over the stairs one moment and heard him saying over and over, do you love me? After a few times of asking, he pulled his gun out and cocked it and stuck it to his head and asked again, do you love me? She said yes and tried to grab the gun away from him. After a while, things calmed down and we watched a movie. Leaving the first and second time, I asked him if he wanted to go get some food and give them a moment alone. He gave me his debit card and said, get some Chick-fil-A and take all of his money out of his account. Why? Not to interrupt him. Yeah, why? No, but that's what I said. I asked him, was he sure? And he replied, yes. He also broke her phone in an earlier argument. I told him I would take the phone and see if they could fix it. I got the food. He provided me with the banking information, but they said he, as the account holder, would have to withdraw the money. I came back and everything was fine. We watched another movie. I noticed they were leaving and I said, where are y'all going? He replied to take a little ride. I fell asleep and woke up around two hours later. Whitley was asleep and Christian was sitting on the couch smoking a cigarette. He acted normal and I said, I'm about to go to Best Buy and look at speakers. Do you need anything while I'm out? He replied, no. At an earlier time after I saw him point the gun to his head, I took the gun from him and placed it behind the curtains because he was acting very aggressive. As I left, I told him I hid it due to his actions and I gave it back to him and told him, unload it and please don't touch it. As I left, I made it to Best Buy and talked to the car audio technician, arriving back from Best Buy. As I walked in, I noticed he wasn't on the couch. I walked around the apartment calling him and got no answer. I walked up the stairs and noticed the bathroom light was on, so I figured he was taking a shower. I knocked and said, are you all right? Still no answer. So I walked downstairs and walked into the room that Whitley was sleeping in. I told her he didn't answer me and that we need to check on him. She went back to sleep. I walked back upstairs and knocked once more. I asked aloud again, Christian, are you okay? He didn't reply. So I opened the door and I saw Christian laying face down across the tub with blood in it. I yelled, Whitley, Christian is dead. We have to call 911. And she screamed and ran upstairs and began holding him. I then called 911 and directed them to the apartment. The police arrived and then took control of the scene and asked us to sit in the living room. Well, I have two questions right off the bat. One of which is, was his story corroborated by a representative from Best Buy? There was a guy that he used to be close friends with that worked at Best Buy that thinks he might have seen him that day, but he's not sure. Okay. My second question is, you said this gun is loud? Very loud. Then how is homegirl asleep? Exactly. How did she sleep? That noise of that gun could have been heard like... The neighbor supposedly heard it. So how did this girl not hear it? Well, but the neighbor heard it between 12 and 1230. Let me go back. What time did he go to Best Buy, did it say? Like around 2, I think. Oh, Jesus. Or after 2, I think. Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't line up either. Yeah. So there's a lot of hinkiness there, you know? Like, things are not adding up. Nope. Okay. I will tell you, there was some really screwed up stuff that happened with the 911 call. Go ahead and get into that now. So, because Dylan called, mm-hmm. and Dylan apparently was very calm throughout this call. Now, he did yell at Whitley to be quiet that he couldn't hear the 911 lady. He gave them the wrong address. He never said, send help. He just kept 
saying, he's dead. Get police here. He's dead. And then he started to say, I have to get off the phone and call family. Well, they finally let him get off the phone. And he didn't call Christian's family. He called Whitley's mom and his mom. That's weird. Why? I don't know. And he was supposed to be one of Christian's best friends. So Apparently, he wasn't one of his best no. friends. Yeah. Okay. Let's do Whitley's statement now. And this one is word for word also. Saturday the 22nd, also the day Christian left out for work at 5 a.m., that night I went to a Mardi Gras party work party with my family. He stopped talking to me starting at 1 the day he left for two more days. He has always had trust issues, and when I eventually got in touch with him, he said he would rather me be at home missing him and didn't want me going out from past issues we had without him. I contemplated breaking up with him and tried to convince myself we could work things out because a relationship without trust isn't a relationship. And we tried for so long to build up trust and be normal, but I love him. Last night, the 25th, he said he was coming home and quitting his job. I told him we could talk it out and there were some things we needed to work on before we could move on with our relationship. Today, he came home, and early, he wanted to take a ride with me. We went to Bonita, and he just said he felt like between me and his mom, he couldn't make anyone happy. I said, laid down with my dog in our bedroom, and Dylan, the guy who picked him up from work, woke me up. I went upstairs and found the love of my life face down, swooshed up into a puddle of blood. That doesn't even... None of that makes sense. No. And first of all, this is all about her. And there's no mention of the fight they had earlier she does she's not even really talking about the day and what led up to all of this it's more about her and what she's doing and what she wants and and she just lost apparently the love of her life life. yeah okay the gun's loud she should have heard it but you know the dog was gonna hear it the Mm -hmm. dog's gonna bark yeah the dog's gonna freak out yeah that's what i'm saying the meridian police department continues to believe christian committed suicide the family has pushed for more investigation into his death and haven't gotten much in return they have reached out to the state attorney general the mississippi bureau of investigation and many other agencies but nothing has helped ray andriacchio has stated that through the concerted efforts of Bilbo Mitchell, former DA, Cassie Coleman, current DA, Richie McAllister, CAO of Meridian, Mississippi, Marvin Sanders, AG prosecutor, Gypsy Ward, AG investigator, Roger Wade, AG investigator, Stanley Alexander, Public Integrity Unit, Tony Green, Attorney General Public Integrity Unit Director, Benny DuBose, Chief of Meridian Police Department. Christian's case has been portrayed as suicide. Forensic evidence and witness testimony has been suppressed and or ignored. In an effort to ensure the case did not move forward, particular individuals named above engaged in jury tampering to ensure the outcome they desired. Well, apparently, if you want to get away with murder, you just need to have the Meridian Police Department investigate it. Exactly. But, I mean, look how far up it goes. I mean, it goes into the state attorney general's office. I mean, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. I mean, it's just... Corrupt. 
It's very corrupt. It's hard to believe that so many things are out there and nobody is trying to pull it out and show them. Why are you not investigating this? It's been since 2014 and this poor family. So does Whitley's family have any part of the... No, but... Do they have anything to say or that, about Or that this? Matt Miller? Matt Miller, yes, okay. has friends and family members. So now whether it's a cover-up for them... Or it's a cover-up because they screwed up so bad. Who knows? They're like, we need to just drop this because we screwed up. I'm just shocked that FBI or somebody else hasn't stepped in. I listened to this in 2019. And to this day, I keep hoping for something to happen. And I check it out all the time. Someone needs to raise the bullshit flag on this. Yes. They need to check them for DNA. Yes. With all three of them. That Matt Miller, her, and... Dylan. Well, and get this. She just sued the Andriocchios. Whitley? Yes. Wow. Saying that they have slandered her, that they have said all these bad things about her, and it's caused her to not be able to find a job, and all these different things for like $47 million. Well, that's what her statement justifies everything. All she cared about was herself, and then the love of her life at the end, but... Yeah. But that was like in a poor me, I lost the love of my life. That wasn't about him, that was about her. Yes. She is making herself look bad. Yes, she is. Yeah, she doesn't need them to slander her. She's doing... Just fine. On Just her fine own. on her own, yeah. And they also have a list. There's a timeline that I will have posted on our website. And this timeline shows everything that Christian's phone was used for. And there are text messages to Matt Miller from Christian's phone after Christian is deceased. So she is using Christian's phone after he's deceased to contact her new boyfriend because Christian apparently broke her phone. Well, and apparently she's driving Christian's car. I noticed up there it was that he supposedly bought her, but then originally he was coming back because she's driving his car. car. Yes. Even though he bought her a BMW. And that's another thing. The whole car. He drove a Jeep Wagoneer and he had driven it to work at the marina to get on the boat. He always parked in the same spot every time he goes there. He parked in that spot, he got on the boat, he took off. Whenever Dylan picked him up, they went straight to Meridian. They did not go to Vicksburg where the marina was. The marina was like 30 minutes away from where he lived. They didn't go get the Jeep. When the family went to get the Jeep, they were told the Jeep had been moved because everyone knew where Dylan parked. They even had it on camera where he had parked. Where Dylan parked or Christian parked? I mean, where Christian parked. But when they went to look at the tapes, when they brought the Jeep back, they didn't park it in an area that could be seen by camera. But they should have been able to see who moved to the Jeep in the first place. Well, and I don't know why they didn't. I can't remember if there was a problem with the camera or if it was too dark. or How convenient. But also, that Kimber 45, he kept in his Jeep. So somebody had to have so gone and gotten the Jeep was still back at the Vicksburg marina. at the marina. But all of a sudden, the gun is in his apartment. Yeah, that's odd. So was she, was she going to the marina and driving the Wagoneer? Apparently so. Okay, and not her BMW. Mm-mm. But there's no proof. Right. So there's just so many things 
that go into this. The night before when she was with the other guy, apparently they shot guns, which no one ever saw her shoot a gun. And they were all questioned and nobody remembered her shooting a gun. So she tells the cops that she had GSR from the night before from shooting a gun. But nobody remembers But then nobody her. remembered her shooting a gun. Like maybe one person said she did, but it was a girlfriend of hers or something that was... I mean, know. could that not be tested with the... Well, I mean, she had what? GSR all over. Right. But her excuse was it was from the night before. Does it all disappear the same? I was going to say, can you not wash your hands, honey? Does it not go back to the type well, of bullet? you have to wash them in cold gun. water. Like I was told this a long time ago when I first started shooting pistols. You're supposed to wash your hands in cold water and soap, not warm water. Well, I just feel like if she had done it the night before or the day before, she probably would have showered and she would have done all this stuff. Like it wouldn't have been traces of it. It wouldn't have been a whole bunch exactly. of guns. So there's a lot of stuff into this that it just does not add up. So there is much more to be done in this case. If you would like to support the Andreacchios, please go to our website and go to change.org. There is a really nice thing on there where you can sign and say that you are helping them support. So what we're doing is trying to encourage the Department of Justice to participate in a thorough investigation of corruption and conspiracy engaged in by multiple individuals in efforts to circumvent justice for Christian's murder. For the full story, listen to the Culpable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and visit their website. There's a lot of information on their website. Black Mountain Media and Tenderfoot TV, who created the Culpable Podcast, are offering a reward of up to $100,000 for new information that leads to an arrest and conviction. Your tip could lead to justice for Christian and closure for the Andreacchio family. For more information on this case, please visit our website www.coldcasecrewwv.com and click on our Patreon. Beth has shared pictures of Christian, a timeline of cell phone records, witness statements, and the links to the important information on this case. What's your theory? Mm-hmm.